Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And welcome to the Backstage Show. This week on the Backstage Show, we have a special guest. Indeed. She's very special to me. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, please welcome my fiance, Aaron. Hello. Hello. So, and we've uh, invited Aaron today to join us for our discussion on the topic of set design. Yes. Uh, I, I have designed, I don't know, what, a dozen or so sets. Jim has designed None. zero. So we thought we'd bring along somebody else who has done some set design work. So welcome, Aaron. Aaron. Aaron's done some set design for my shows I've directed. Well, there you go. I have had myself design my sets. I, I think your Barley other Chief, self, my other self. No, uh, Barley Sheep. I think I've designed all my own sets, but I have also directed uh, King of Prussia. I designed my set Forge and the Barn. I did not. I had another in a, uh, an outside set designer. That's been my experience with directing. So, I mean, I think I've I've had input into sets for shows I've directed, mm-hmm. but you kind of have. To. I usually deferred to somebody to mm-hmm. get more into the nitty gritty details. Right, right. Which eventually became me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, now you now you've developed somewhat of a reputation. Yeah, I actually got paid once to be a set designer, which is kind of funny that someone might think say. that I know what I'm doing, but I think I've only done actually five mm-hmm. sets so far. I've lost track. So you've been paid for 20% of your set design? I have been. That's, That's pretty like impressive. probably more than I've been paid for acting, which is... <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, wherever you can get a little extra money. Mm, I'll take yeah. it. I can't complain. So when, when you dive into a set design, I, I, I mean, at least it's... Uh, my experience has been... you. You have to consult with the director, of course, because mm-hmm. you have to know what their vision is and what they're looking at. But then there's also the matter of uh, what's described in the set, and excuse me, what's described in the script or diagrammed in the script, because some scripts do have uh, I, set diagrams. I found it's usually both, which I now think about is kind mm-hmm. of amusing, because yeah. Act One, Scene One will have like this lengthy one-page description of everything that's on stage, right? And then there will be a, usually there will still be a diagram in the back of the book. Well, I think uh, particularly with newer scripts, you've got your your uh, your author, your writer, uh, your playwright is writing that description, but they don't know that it's going to end up published because uh, if there's a diagram in the back, that's usually from the first professional production, mm-hmm. so that may or may not jive with the description. I find it usually, usually has. Yeah. And then um, sometimes you have to modify it based on the space that you have to work with. Exactly. So, Or what the director's vision is. So there's all these little competing factors. And as a designer, you have to take all of that into account. So uh, I, I don't know if you've encountered this, but I've had directors that have asked me, you know, okay, we want this, this, and this. And I'll have to come back and say, well, if we do this, then you can't do that because the audience will be able to see backstage or some, that kind of thing. I don't know if I've run into that so much as mm-hmm. at least when I come up with my design, I'll try to start with a few different options to play with and then yeah. tweak it from there. But I think generally it starts with the discussion with the director to say, what do you want? And right. that usually makes it a lot easier Definitely. from there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, examples being that they may go into a very literal interpretation of what's described in the script if mm-hmm. they want it to 
you know, if they're trying to go for realism to depict the space in which the events take place. As opposed to a more representational Representational design. or maybe taking more of a black box kind of a, mm-hmm. a route where it's very, you know, very minimalist. There's really very little visually to depict where you're at right you might have selected a, set pieces yeah you might have a black curtain i mean i've i've seen literally sets that are just a black curtain and and like crates like black crates that you're sitting on. yeah so. or you know if there's a need to have a table and a chair or a bench mm-hmm. or something they'll like that, that they'll have that yeah. but that's it it's yeah. only what's really needed to be in the scene and maybe they use lighting or sound as we've talked about before mm-hmm. to establish the atmosphere without a physical set right right so then you're you're also dealing with either a unit set or uh, multiple sets on the same stage. Now, in your designs, have you done multiple sets or just unit sets? Unit sets, fortunately. I think okay. this next upcoming one will be a challenge because there is a second apartment. So mm-hmm. I will have to figure out how to change the one apartment to a different apartment uh-huh. within the span of... Right before the last oh, the scene. scene oh, that's right. <laughs> well, yeah. It's the last scene that mm-hmm. needs the second set. So Yeah, everything's, if I remember right, in that script, everything is in the one apartment until the very last scene where it's in a different apartment. Going to change it for just, <laughs> for just one, one scene. scene. Oh, that's <laughs> it will be yeah. a challenge. Yeah, I've sure. done some stuff for musicals and, and other multiple sets, and it can be a real challenge sometimes, particularly if you're less familiar with the script. Like The, the one that sticks out to me that I had to do for the show that I directed was when I did uh, Treasure Island. Because you've got things, you've got, uh, you know, a seaside town, you've got on board a ship, then you have a deserted island, you have a cliff on that island, you've got all these different sets. And how I did that one was this uh, big wall in the back that, it was a double layer wall that was hinged. So it would, you'd have the front of the wall was this one set and then you would open it up and there was another wall behind it designed as another set and the two sides would be matching that set and then you'd open up the other doors and then that was the the cliff was behind that so you have to get creative particularly like barley sheaf it's not a very big stage so you have to squeeze everything in so when you're dealing with multiple sets you have to deal with uh wing space if you're you know have a wall on wheels or a set piece on wheels that comes off and on or fly space, you can take walls and literally raise them up into the rafters or lower them down. So, or it gets instead of walls, scrims. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. Uh, scrim. We use that in uh, Frankenstein. There was a uh, snowstorm at the very beginning. Right. So there was a, a, a scrim that you could see through where the creature was behind. Actually, it was a stand in for the creature, if I recall. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It was a different person. I don't remember why we did that, huh. but it was a different person. Somebody was different because I think they had to be in the scene right when the scrim was opened. So okay. it was either Victor or the creature was a different actor. I don't remember. Nor do I. Yeah. Well, if it was trying to be a size difference, I don't know. Scale difference, maybe. Maybe that was it. Because I think we had Scott standing in for Victor. I think that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. And Scott was a, a smaller. Oh, wait a minute. Wasn't Victor uh, doing a monologue or something at the time? Yes, you're right. So he, he was, was standing off of the to the scrim. side. Yeah, he was in front of the scrim, off to the side. So monologue, and then so somebody else. Scott was. Yep, you're right. Filling in for him physically, depicting the the pursuit. Correct. In the background behind the scrim. That's okay. correct. Yeah, got it. Mm-hmm. So that was one. I didn't design that one, but that was another one that was multiple sets. I, or, Dracula was, was too. Dracula was was multiple sets, and that was tricky because it was kind of built into how the descriptions of the set were. Yeah. That was very tricky. Mentioned. He did a great job with that design because uh, that was one where the, uh, the the coffin came rolling on from like two different spots. 
uh, was it two? Up. I thought that just came from underneath the center platform. No, there was one scene where it came on from the side. Really? It came I, on from us. I, I think we actually had two different coffins. Oh, I forget to do that. Okay, I forgot but about yeah, that. His I just first, the his one first the appearance, they they wheeled it on from the side, and his hand kind of oh, comes. Oh, yeah, that's yep. right. And then later on, it comes uh, on stage from underneath. The center. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was a very good way to do it. Another, there's another, so many different locales, some of which yeah. you only saw once. I know, and that was really challenging. But he did a great, great job with that. You had to wheel in the uh, the skeleton on the captain's wheel, right? From the <laughs> so one be side on board the ship. It was just a lot of different little seamlets. Yeah, exactly. Um, another challenging one, the first one that I directed, uh, Getting Away with Murder, when this was originally done, it had, the set was on wheels. Like, the entire thing was like a big turntable. So you had something that was, like, right outside of a room, and then you would switch to inside of the room. And we had to figure out how to depict that. And I think what we ended up doing was putting a uh, just wall studs up so you could literally see through it. Okay, I think and, I vaguely and, remember yeah. that. And then the audience just kind of had to imagine that there was a wall there. Hmm. So yeah, all sorts of creative answers when you've got multiple sets that you got to come up with. Yeah, some scripts will talk about having, you know, if they go to, say, a, a fixed set of locations, they will set up those locations in different regions of the stage. But when you have a small stage, that's not always possible. No, you, you need to have big enough area to work with. I think... A play I'd read called Goldfish, I think, had had that description. There were four, where was it? Yeah. Well, the last one. There were like four I, locations prominently re- mm-hmm. that kept coming back to, and over the course of the the story. I just did the set design for uh, Cemetery Club, and that's basically two locations. When we had like one side of the stage was somebody's apartment, and the other side of the stage was the cemetery. We we've seen shows where if it's sort of a, a moving set piece, mm-hmm. I'll call it, they may uh, close the curtain. And have that in front of the curtain to pick a scene right. that way. I still remember one of the first set designs that I did for somebody besides myself was a uh, Sound of Music. And I ended up designing a piece that, that was affectionately referred to as the monster. Because it was a rotating two-story set piece. Um, Yikes. That I, I think one side of it was Maria's bedroom. And I am not remembering. But the other side was something with stairs. It was like the outside of something. Unfortunately, when I was given the measurements of the stage, I was not given the correct height. Oops. So I designed this 16-foot high piece where the clearance, I think, was only 14 feet or something like that. So they had to actually adjust it while they were building it, and the actors like barely fit on the second floor of that. Oh, jeez. And, and also the stage measurements themselves were wrong, so this whole piece had to rotate around, and it was not a small piece, hence the monster, so when you rotated it around, if you were off by like a foot from the placement, it would have rolled off the stage. Because <laughs> I think originally they were supposed to do it with the st- with the curtain closed, but there was no way to rotate it with the curtain closed. So yeah. whoops! Make oh. sure you get your measurements right. <laughs> yeah, don't pull a spinal tap. No. <laughs> Eighteen inches. Stonehenge. Yeah, Stonehenge. Yes. <laughs> well, when you directed Red Herring, we had the lovely bed that we had to roll out with the 23 scene changes yes. and i think we almost rolled the bed off the stage one night yeah well, it was, was a semicircular stage and this was coming in from the one wing mm-hmm. because there was minimal offstage space about to utilize so that was the only place we could put it but that was overall like a black box kind of arrangement where there was really only one permanent set piece right it was the dock in the middle okay and then everything else just suggests other scenes was just whatever furniture we rolled out mm-hmm 
And eventually the bed got its own curtain call yeah, <laughs> by go. the end of the run. It's yeah. hard for a bed to bow, though. It, it didn't bow, but Kinda we did was. roll it out, so mm. it just stood there. So other things you have to consider when you're putting up your walls and all of that are like the traffic lanes for the actors. So you got to make sure that people can get on and off and without running into walls, running into each other, running into furniture. I've frequently encountered that as a problem for blocking mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, especially if you have a bigger cast Yes, with bigger mm-hmm. groups of people who are on stage and you got to work with your set designer to figure out, okay, where are all these people going to go? Yeah, absolutely. How, mm-hmm. how are they going to, are they going to be in each other's way? How are they going to be able to move around one another? Mm-hmm. How are they going to be able to move around to entrances and exits? And that's something that's been difficult for me as a designer when I'm designing for somebody else. Because like when I'm directing, I like to, you know, generally you start with the blocking. So as a set designer, sometimes I've been brought in so late into the process, I kind of wonder like how are, they, they've already started blocking with, you know, without telling me that I'm going to be designing their set <laughs> Whoops. or without telling me exactly what they want. So I'm like, okay, well, you need to tell me where these people are going because I have to account for that. I'm yeah. assuming when you brought in that been brought in that it's earlier in the process. I have been, yeah, pretty early, which yeah. is fortunate. And I think when I come up with my designs, if I have any questions as to space and what kind of space is needed... They have some handy-dandy measurements for, say, home design and mm-hmm. how much clearance you need between a chair and a doorway. And you yeah. can find that, but it also, you have to sometimes get creative because you may not actually have that amount of space on the stage. Yeah. So you have to fudge it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we, uh, the last show Aaron and I worked uh, together as director and set designer on was Hound of the Baskervilles. And right. before I had any blocking rehearsals, we worked out, all right, this is where this particular entrance is going to be located here's where the other one is going to be and then i we really had to hammer that out i mm-hmm. felt before i could start blocking anything yeah i mean i definitely feel that I way kind of locked that down that's definitely why i've preferred to design my own sets because when i've had other people design them sometimes it's like okay i want to start my blocking where's my design because even if i've brought them in early you know because it's community theater they've got other things to do and they maybe haven't gotten it finished yet and they're like giving me possibilities and giving me three different options i'm going just tell me what it's going to be so i know where to tell people to go yeah just the functional element too mm-hmm. i mean the, the decorative element and all that stuff can be hammered out yeah the, the details you know, what color the walls later. should be can yeah. be hammered out well that's a design on. that's that's a decoration not a design as far as i'm concerned because i've done set designs where they're saying you know are you going to do the, the pick out the colors and the furniture i'm like going not necessarily i'm just going to tell you where the walls go if you want me to do that i can do that but that's like, you know, that fine line between set design and set decoration. Okay. Well, I think I've when uh, tended Aaron's to been be, involved, yeah. she's kind of handled both. Yeah. M- most of the time, I think in community theater, that there's a substantial overlap, if not an entire overlap between those two jobs. Yes. But fortunately, there's usually been a division between set design and set building because I'm not sure anyone wants me to actually build the sets that I designed. The, the last show that I did, they were like going, are you going to be Master Carpenter too? I'm like, uh, no, because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I can build. I have some skill with building, but as far as like being the person that everybody goes to going, you know, what do you want me to do? How do I do this? I'm like, I, I cannot direct. Well, I guess it's not directing. I cannot Master Carpent. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just because I, I don't I don't have that that particular skill set. Uh, you know, if somebody tells me put that wall up there, I can do it, but I'm not good at saying go put that wall up there. And making sure sense. it doesn't fall on actors yeah. is yes. also important. Making sure yeah. it's structurally sound. Yes. More or less. 
It is community theater. It only has to stay up for a month. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also the plus side is that you can fudge a lot of things because it mm-hmm. only has to look okay for... It's the old good enough for community theater. Yes. Yeah. You would not want these things in your own house. Definitely not. Definitely not. So uh, once you've figured out where the actors are going, there's other things to consider as far as space, which is, you know, space for the crew. Yeah, if they have to uh, move things mm-hmm. on and off stage, you need a way to do that. Yeah, and some place to put it when it's off stage. You need that mm-hmm. too. Yeah, so you need I mean, to make sure that you have openings big enough to get things on and off. Yeah, if like tables or uh, couches have to be moved off, you know, that, that does certainly happen frequently enough. So you have to make sure that your doors, are, you know, when you're moving into a house, you have all the time you need to maneuver your furniture in, but in theater, you want to get things on quickly. Yeah. <laughs> pivot. pivot, pivot. But you want to get things in and out quickly uh, in the middle of a show. You don't want to have to extend those uh, scene changes more than you have to. Right. And also, you know, sometimes the stage manager wants someplace to stand or sit. Usually sit, yeah. I think. That's <laughs> a long time to be standing, is. yes. That depends uh, on the show. <laughs> all right, so even silly things like which way doors need to open. Yeah, I mean... A lot of times, or let me rephrase that. Sometimes as a set designer, I have made recommendations as to which way I think the door should open. And I've told them, if you change the direction of the door opening, there's going to be an issue with sight lines that if the door opens that way, people can see backstage. So I I don't know what your experience has been. I think that tends to come up. I think about it as I'm designing, Mm -hmm. but it's, it becomes more obvious as you're building the set when you consider sight lines. Right. Definitely having a way to not see through doorways that you're not meant to see through or have something nice behind the doors that you are supposed to see through. The the outer corner. And this is, you know, where I get to be kind of a a stickler about certain things. I do think about, you know, in a real building, which way Mm -hmm. should this door open? Yeah, I mean, Should I get it that, open in. Yeah, in, in or out, I think is more important than left or right when you're taking that consideration. Like, you know, yeah. a, f- a front door to a building is going to open in, not right. out. Exactly. Whereas an interior door might open out or more likely would open. Right. Out. It seems silly, but it kind of adds more to the realism of mm-hmm. the, the the set. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to make things as real as you can within the constraints of theater. Yeah, when you're dealing with a realistic set, you want it to be realistic. <laughs> uh, you also have to generally take into consideration how much overall space you have to work with. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you ha- if it were to be a musical and you have choreography going on, then they need room to do their dance. Yeah, and not to mention frequently with musicals, you've got entrances and exits with multiple people at the same time. So yeah. if they've all got to file in through this three-foot opening, that's going to be difficult. Like so, a procession. Yeah. Uh, if that's what you want, then that's great. But musicals, I think, their their realism tends to be toned down more. You don't uh, say. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it starts with people singing when normally. Yeah. I mean, what you don't. I like, mean, the during sets. Your, your your day at work, you don't just randomly burst in a song. Well, I do, but that's me. Okay. Um, I I'm talking more about with the sets. Mm. Even if it's a realistic set, the realism is going to be toned down a little bit. You know, there might not be like sidewalls, whereas with a. Uh, you know, like a unit set drama, you might put the only entrance might be a single door. Whereas if you're going to have a similar scene in a musical, you'd have that a wall in the back with the single door, but the wings would be wide open. That kind of thing. Well, the last musical I worked on, which was It Should Have Been You at the Barn, mm-hmm. had actually had a very realistic uh, set. I'm not saying it's never done that yeah. way. I'm just saying in general. Yeah, this was kind of the exception, I think. It was, you know, it was set up like a, a hotel. 
where there was a wedding reception and it mm-hmm. actually had but it did have you know the multiple doorways for representing different rooms and right and it did move around a little bit occasionally it represented different locales like mostly it was kind of more of a corridor kind of element sometimes it was the reception hall sometimes it was a bathroom mm-hmm. but the the doors kind of all maybe they serve different purposes in different scenes but right. it functioned kind of the same way in that you know you had different places where people could come in mm-hmm. and go out uh, and farces, of course. Oh, uh, many doors. <laughs> yeah, those you tend to need a little more physical space on stage, I find, because there's usually multiple people running around. Very athletic kinds yeah. of shows, but doors is doors, probably one of the doors, signature doors. elements. Yes. So have you done farce designs? I have been involved in farces. I don't think I've done mm. a farce design I think the se. closest I came was Boeing Boeing, and that's... Somewhere between a farce and a straight comedy, I guess. The challenge with that, and this is particularly notable on, on Barley Sheaf's stage, is you're dealing with a fairly narrow, deep stage as opposed to a wide stage. I feel like it's easier to fit in more doors on a wider stage. I think I had five doors on there, and you literally could not fit six at Barley Sheaf. If you've got a show with six doors, forget it, because <laughs> you just can't fit it. Our stage is only a five-door stage. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. I, that, that's the biggest challenge, is fitting multiple doors on a set and still making it look real and not give you all these views backstage. That That's definitely challenging. I'm trying to remember how we go. handled the set for Fox on the Fairway. That had, I believe... Didn't have as many doors. No, I think, I think was it was three or four. Three or four, four yeah. yeah. But it, it was a farce. It was mm-hmm. a farce, and it worked But I recall a pretty large playing space, like, down center. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think there were three side unit. doors, maybe, and one French door in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that sounds So it worked right. okay. Yeah, the playing space is important. The doors are important. The sight lines are important. Well, the sight lines are always important, and that's kind of... You've got a few different factors with that. You've got... You have to make sure that your actors can be seen all the time. You have to make sure that you don't have anything blocking any of your patrons. Uh, We kind of ran into that with the design on uh, Night Must Fall, which is the the most recent show I've worked on, where you had a a stage right wall that was, you know, diagonal coming parallel to the side wall that kind of ended. And then there was a flat wall in front of it that if you're sitting in the front left house seat, you basically have a wall right in front of your face. So that's an issue with sight lines there. Uh, Barley Chief, of course, you always have to deal with the pole and dealing with those sight lines. So you don't want to build up something all around the pole to block further than that already blocks. And then you've got furniture to deal with. And on top of that, you have to make sure nobody can see backstage. Yeah. It's a lot of factors with that. Sight lines are the biggest nightmare as far as I'm concerned with designing. That's that's always the biggest challenge for me. Yeah. You know, Village Players of Happer, for instance... The, the worst places to sit are very front row on the extreme sides. Yeah, I think that's common. Because, you know, with the depth of the stage and so forth, anything that's in the near back corner on the side that you're sitting on, you won't really be able right. to see very well. Yeah, I mean, it's the same issue with Barley Sheaf. Those are always the worst seats. So unless you really cut the angles of your walls heading towards the back mm-hmm. and end up losing a lot of... It's the compromise between, you know how good do you want your sight lines to be versus how much stage space are you willing to give up for it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a challenge. It is. Yeah. And the backstage thing is always particularly again, a barley sheaf. It's difficult with that because you know, you throw a window on the set and immediately you're like, all right, well then I'm going to lose something because I have to put a wall behind that window. Otherwise they're going to see right backstage. (laughs) So I don't think that's as much as village players because there basically is no backstage. 
Right. Yeah. Now, now, the barn playhouse is kind of unusual because it has like two doorway openings on the extreme sides yes. of the stage. Yeah. But there... Like, and there are also posts in the house. Yes. Um, so if yeah, you're... Yeah, so you have to deal with those as yeah, well. Yeah, so if you're sitting... And this is actually even a problem from the, the perspective of the booth, the sound area, mm-hmm. in that anything that's on the extreme stage right area, from where I would be positioned at the, at the soundboard in the booth, I can't really see yeah, it very see well. Yeah. The advantage with I have the barn... Obst- I would have an obstructed view as the sound operator. Yes. The I'm advantage obst- with the barn is that you, have, uh, you're, you actually have wings there. You actually have some decent yes, space, both yeah. stage left and stage right. And you can access by going downstairs from either side. Right. So we've had, like, I think the Dracula set had some very limited backstage space. I don't. I think we went all the way to the back door, back wall for Frankenstein for a lot of it. I think we had a curtain in front of, but I think the lab went to the back wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. So With those those uh, the the painted wheeled. windows. Yeah, were on and, that back wall. Okay, right. and you had the brick. Um, the the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's all you have to deal with with uh, set design, the sight lines, and all of that. Then, of course, once you have an idea of what you're doing, you have to get it somehow physically designed. So how, what's been your process? Um, I actually started out, I got roped into set design because I'd been playing with home design software. Mm-hmm. And so I took that and said, okay, where is my stage? What are the dimensions? <laughs> and just made a little model stage on my computer and played yeah. with visuals like that so I could make my design I could play with colors whatever for the decoration and it's a one shot deal so and this is like a uh, 3D cast it's a 3D sort of yeah okay. very basic yeah but it does the trick that's generally what I use it's a, a SketchUp is, is what I've used I don't know what the, what software you've used but that's a SketchUp is a free one <laughs> so that's like a complete 3D modeling software that makes it really good and that, that way that also enables me to check out sight lines and things like that depending yeah. on where you put the camera Mm. <laughs> the, the virtual camera within the uh, space but i've also done like when i started it was all on paper so you're dealing you know with a piece of graph paper and sketching out your stage and then sketching out everything from from above i've never had to work that way yeah. fortunately i don't know that i would be able to accomplish anything yeah, I, I know people who still prefer to work that way i still generally start off that way just to give myself a general idea before i'm going to move it into the the three-dimensional stuff it's, it's a good way to plan out like pathways and things like that because that's kind of the overhead view. I think I'm fortunate because the software that I do use allows you to switch to blueprint mode so you can mm-hmm. get the floor plan yeah. and you can see the space that way without yeah. having to yeah. have it on paper. I can do but, it that way too, but it's just still quicker for me to erase something than <laughs> to physically move it on, <laughs> on a computer, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, probably good for a sketch just to mm-hmm. have a starting point. Yeah, that's that's basically what it is. It's a quick sketch that I do and then translate that to 3d and i've also had people just come to me for just that help where they have their set design done and they're like can you just put this into 3d so i can see what it looks like so i'm, I'm vaguely recollecting that you uh had some sort of a miniature mock-up yes i did that uh for parts of uh sound of music i had um poster board i guess okay or foam board so I had a, a foam board that I, you know, cut into the shapes to scale and built them. I think that was to give them an idea what the monster was going to look like. <laughs> wow. And I have, I, I've been involved with shows where people built the entire set, like a model of the whole set, a physical model. Uh, it's kind of interesting to do that, but that's a lot of work. 
Yeah. I, I built the, the monster I built just because she was like, uh, what is this going to look like? Is this going to work? I'm like, let me build something up. I'll show you what I have in mind and how it's going to work. So once she saw that, she's like, good, we'll go with that. Because it's sometimes difficult. I think that I think I was just getting started with the 3D software at that point. So I couldn't quite put it in there to show it to her. At that point, I was still doing like 2D stuff. There was a like quick design software, not really software, but I, I like wrote things for both the, the Forge website and the Barn website. I'm pretty sure both of these things are gone now, but it was like a, a uh, an image that was kind of a graph layout of the stage and you could drag over like platforms and flats and put them in certain places. Like you couldn't even rotate them or anything like that. So there was like, you know, one that was vertical, one horizontal, so you could just figure out how to do all of that. But that was very, I don't, I don't even know. It was like, you know, Flintstone age designing sets. <laughs> but the, the 3D modeling software, I think, is definitely the way to go because that gives you the best idea of stuff. And I think, you know, having set design as early as possible in the process is really critical because the sooner you have it kind of laid out, it drives the blocking and then it drives Absolutely. the set construction to actually happen. And then I've just found that the earlier we can actually have a functional set in mm-hmm. place so that the actors can start interacting with it. Yeah, a lot of that has to do with the theater and their scheduling, though. You don't yeah, that's true. Choice. You don't always have the luxury of yeah. you know having the, the space to your in, uh, in control yeah. that early. Sometimes but, you have to work around that. But I agree, though. The, the biggest takeaway from this, uh, as a director, I think you got to work with your set designer early and often and try to nail things down as quickly as possible because you're going to want to go in and start with the blocking. So the more you know about your set, the better you're off you're going to be. And that's one of the reasons that I've often stuck to myself as set designer, just because that's easiest for me. Very good. Well, if, yeah. you, uh, if you're listening out there and have any further questions related to set design or any other theatrical topic, you can email us at podcast at backstage.link. You can always take a look at our website, which is backstage.link, or you can uh, look us up on Facebook on The Backstage Show. Indeed. And uh, thanks to Aaron for being our guest and chatting about set design. And uh, you're about to dive into your next set design project tonight, as a matter of fact. Production meeting is happening. Yes, indeed. But thank you guys for having me. Thanks. So until next week, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And you've been listening to The Backstage Show. See you next week. Bye-bye. Alrighty then. Are you a leprechaun? No, yes. No. Maybe. Well, we could have a beer now for the last episode of the day if you want. All right. You're, this time you're going to say welcome to the backstage show? Well, you said it last exactly. two times. <laughs> Sorry. I haven't said it yet today. I don't, I honestly, I don't know. But you did say it last time, so I will say it next time. Yes. We'll go back to the routine. I have made very good use of that litter box. <laughs> <laughs> will you scoop that when you're done yeah, before yeah, you leave, please? Thank more. you. <laughs> I'm on the ball. <laughs>